Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com. Hello, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and today I'm talking with Maya Saeed, who's the CEO and founder of Outcomes for Me, which is a free mobile app that helps breast cancer patients navigate their cancer diagnosis and treatment more comprehensively through an AI-powered platform to empower patients and support shared decision-making with their providers. Maya is laser-focused on improving outcomes, and it was a real pleasure to get insight into her professional journey. Take a listen. I like to think about healthcare and health IT as a very complicated place and kind of liken it to a 3,000-piece puzzle or a 10,000-piece puzzle or bigger even than that. And what our intention and mission here is to learn, you know, essentially if everybody carries a piece of that, what is your piece? And so that's what I really want to hear from you today. So if you couldn't, if you don't mind, could you take a minute to introduce yourself and your organization and the piece of the healthcare IT puzzle that you hold? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me. I'm Maya Saeed. I'm the founder and CEO of Outcomes for Me. And we are a patient empowerment platform to help patients that have been diagnosed with cancer be empowered to navigate the healthcare system and also advocate for themselves. I mean, that's a really needed service because I imagine that you are reaching patients at particular, like one of the most vulnerable times of their life and then offering them resources. Can you give me a little bit more detail? 
Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, we focus on cancer. Today, we're actually live in one cancer, which is breast cancer. I mean, all of us know or either person on a personal basis or, you know, have been in touch with people that have been diagnosed with cancer. And beyond the shock, when one is diagnosed with cancer, the immediate questions is, you know, how is my life going to change? What are my options? And how is my life going to change? And how can I best manage, right? And the problem today is there's no way for any of us to answer these questions easily. At the same time, the science is advancing at rapid speed, and there's a lot of new opportunities, you know, better treatment for cancer. So really the reason we created this platform is to really help people advocate for themselves, to help them answer the question, what are my options? To help them answer the question, how can I best manage my care? How can I best manage my life? So that's really what we're after. Well, and I imagine it's not going to be the same answer for every patient. And is it a little like a choose your own adventure? Like, you know, a little bit of a decision tree of if you fall under this category, here are your options, choose path A, B, or C. Like, can you maybe walk me through what that journey would be like for somebody? Yeah, absolutely. So today, you know, if to answer these questions, you know, putting aside what we have built, what we're building, anything else that we do is more or less equivalent to a Google search. And the problem of a Google search is we have to know what we're looking for to find it, right? So we have to know, as people that all of a sudden got diagnosed with a disease, what is important for that disease, right? So if it's breast cancer, I have to know that, you know, there's a number of receptors that are important, HER2 status, hormone status, et cetera. And I'm not equipped to do that, right? Like we're not equipped to do that. This is something that from one day to the other, you know, just came upon us and we're trying to figure it out. So that's the first problem that people have. The second problem is even if we knew exactly what we were looking for, we are not equipped to understand and parse out the information that comes back at us. So essentially what we've developed is what we call a personalized evidence-based platform. Personalized, so meaning people don't look for things. So the very first thing we try to understand is what is the diagnosis? So to do that, we specifically ask questions that people can have the answer to, or if they don't, they can actually find out what the answer to them is. And then we start by first providing people with treatment information, so specific treatment options. And actually, one of the very first things we've done when we started the company is we have partnered with the NCCN, which is the National Cancer Center Network. It's a collection of over 35 of the best cancer centers in the United States. And they're the clinical authority for for physicians on treatment options. So we will bring that to bear to people, to me, you, our friends, so that they can truly understand what their personalized treatment options are. Well, so then they're not just getting a random Google result, right? You're getting results that have already been filtered by experts who know what they're talking about. Exactly. And it's actually more than that because in cancer, you know, the science is evolving very, very fast. Every Actually, which is a great thing, right? Every day there's more things that are discovered, there's more treatment options. So what that means that even the physician unless they're in the research, they're not going to tell you always up to date on the latest treatment. 
So we provide all this to the patients so that they can have the conversations with their physician. So can we talk about that? Because I'm sure you are much more well-versed in this than I am. What are some of the most like innovative ways of you know cancer treatment or just different things that have come up that have either are not not that many people know about or may not be on people's radar like what technology or new information is out there that really should be shared yeah i mean so to give you an example as i mentioned we're right now live in one cancer which is breast cancer and if i look at breast cancer there's been a lot of recent advances very exciting advances in breast cancer so you know first of all if caught early enough, breast cancer is, you know, more or less a curable disease, but even if caught late, so there's some recent advances in metastatic breast cancer this year alone that are around targeted therapies, that are around therapies that are based on specific uh, gene mutations, that then also for quite a few people, they can forego chemo and have targeted treatments that really changes also the quality of life. And that keeps on evolving. So just to give you an example, the, as I mentioned, we have partnered, we integrate the NCCN guidelines and make them, these are physician-facing guidelines, we make them patient-facing. And so these guidelines typically update once a year and on an ad hoc basis throughout the year if needs be. This year alone, they updated over seven times, which essentially shows every time there's a scientific advancement, they update. So it just shows you how rapidly some of the sciences are advancing. Well, so something you said earlier is like we all likely know somebody who has, you know, been affected by breast cancer. Is what you're telling me that it might not be as scary because there are treatments that are more effective, that it doesn't necessarily have to be worst case scenario, that there are better case scenarios for people that have breast cancer now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and the reason we created this is because we want to have this information rapidly dis- disseminate to people, right? So that, you know, when something is approved, when there's results, also clinical trials. I mean, there's a lot happening on the clinical trial side that actually is, you know, it's, we're not talking about phase one trials, we're talking about phase three trials, pretty advanced clinical trials where things are working or, you know, like they're expanding. So for people to really have access to all this. So I imagine that people that are interfacing with your product and service and the information that you're providing feel, like to your point, very empowered and maybe less scared and just in a, you know, with a path of what to do. And it's personalized too. Yeah, and I think what's very important, and I mean, you mentioned, and that's why I love the, you know, kind of what you guys are about and the the mission you do is, you know, in some sense, healthcare has evolved where, you know, the system has become not only so complex and so fragmented, but somewhere along the way, we forgot about the patient, I would say, right? We forgot about what are the needs of the patients. And it starts also with emotional needs. So what you said, right? Like a person diagnosed with cancer from one day to the other, they lack fundamentally. They lost control and they're looking for control and they're looking for hope, right? And and you get a sense of control and, and hope only if you feel empowered, if you feel you have the information that gives you back control, that gives you back hope, which is really what we're about. I really love that. So how did you get in into this? Like, did you know that this was your career path from an early age? But it's, it's interesting you say that. So so first of all, I, I come from a family of medical doctors. So, you know, 
Okay, was somewhere always in the background. I really thought I was going to be a medical doctor, but then I went to school and got interested by engineering. So I did, you know, bioengineering, and uh, and then I ended up in the pharmaceutical industry. So I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for more than fifteen years until starting this company. But the reason I started the company is so I've been all my professional career in healthcare, and in particular the pharmaceutical industry, and. And I have convinced myself that, you know, we're, we're patient-focused because that's what we, everybody in healthcare, you know, attempts to be patient-focused. We all try, right? And then a few years ago, I ended up having a medical scare. So it wasn't cancer, but I ended up having, you know, becoming a patient for the first time in my life. And, you know, it was short-lived. I ended up being a patient just for six months. But what I found out is I was actually surprisingly overwhelmed by the experience. First, to figure out what it was, you know, was it something that was malignant or not? So that was overwhelming. And then just navigating the healthcare system. I had to have surgery, just, you know, dealing with that, dealing with the medical bills. And then I kind of realized that, you know, all my life I had convinced myself that I was patient-focused, but I had never been a patient in my life. And when I became one, it was overwhelming in ways that surprised me and I never expected them to be. And I bet you probably, I'm guessing, that you might have thought that if anybody was well-equipped to navigate the system, it would be somebody who's been working in healthcare for so long. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. I mean, just to tell you a small anecdote, I used to run market access and pricing for the oncology business of Novartis. And part of my day job was my customers were payers, were Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, like all the payers. And then here I am as a patient receiving for the first time in my life a Blue Cross Blue Shield bill. I kid you not, I could not, like I didn't, it took me a few minutes to figure out how to read it. I thought I owed them like $50,000. But this is just to tell you, this was my day job. And now to see it as a patient, I just couldn't read it. So then what do you think have been some of the biggest like tools or resources or implementations in your approach so that you could really feel like you truly are patient facing? So here's the problem I believe today in the healthcare system. And and it's nobody's mistake, but it's just how the healthcare system has evolved. The healthcare system has evolved so that we as patients interact with it episodically. What that means is, you know, we get a disease and then we're seeing a doctor, we're seeing them in two weeks, we're, you know, taking. So it's it's happening as episodes. And in fact, there's something called the episodes of care in the healthcare system, right? But we as patients do not experience the disease episodically, right? We experience this continuously. And for something as serious as cancer, it becomes part of our life. Nothing in the healthcare system interacts with us on a continuous manner. Because everything in the healthcare system is looking at it from a different stakeholder point of view. So what we do differently and what we attempt to do differently is we essentially go, we reverse the equation, right? We start with the patient. And as I mentioned, I gave you an example. We start with the treatment options, but that's not all we do. To be successful, we fundamentally believe that not only we have to put patient first and be truly understand what patients need, but also to meet, to meet them where they are. And this is a word that's used, overused, I think. But meeting people where they are, what we mean by it is 
meeting them clinically, what's their diagnosis, meeting them where they are physically, you know, the location matters, where they are emotionally, where are they in their journey, what are they looking for? And there's all kinds of different aspects, demographically, other aspects. So if you start having that as a lens and trying to develop a product that's focused on that first, then it fundamentally changing, changes the whole lens in terms of how you see things. I really like that as a visual and just like to helping people, because you're right, that is a term that's overused quite a bit. So what does that mean? If you're meeting a patient where they are, does that mean that like oh, that you're on their phone and that they can you know, access you whenever they're on their phone. But it sounds like it's something much bigger than that, right? And like more holistic of an approach. How would you actually identify where somebody is emotionally? Is that like a, a quiz that somebody takes? Like what, how does that happen? Yeah, so it's interesting. And, and, and again, as I, I just want to emphasize, I mean, this is our aspiration. I cannot claim today that we, we're there, right? I mean, it would be foolish to even attempt to say that. However, it's more the way we do product development, the way we think about all the features we put in the product. It's more, you know, what are the elements that help us understand where patients are, right? Whether it's asking them questions, whether it's understanding in their clinical, you know, diagnosis or if they're feeling a, a set of symptoms, you know, how do we actually bring that to bear? So it's a number of things. It's not a single thing that we use, but we try to kind of hone in to better understand where people are so that we can give them the information, help them navigate as they need it. I love that. I mean, are there any, do you have any like anecdotes or stories around like success stories of somebody who, you know, had really great outcomes based and because of their interaction with your offering? Yeah. So it's about making people more aware of things that either they may not be aware of or they don't realize how important they are. So one of so we so I'll give you a couple examples. So, you know, one recent example. So we've been uh, we've partnered to help uh, raise awareness on genetic testing, inherited cancer genetic testing. And initially, when we surveyed people that were using the platform, a lot of people. So this is, for example, the, the RCA genes. There are a number of genes that. If people have them, it increases the probability of them having a, a cancer. But the first time we surveyed people, a lot of them told us, well, it's too late. I already have breast cancer. Why do I care, you know, whether I had one of the inherited cancer genes? And so we went through a whole educational prog program and we helped pa patients get actually testing to explain that, first of all, they are, depending what age people got diagnosed, if they have other family members, they may, be at, they may meet criteria for genetic testing. But what's more important is if a person has the gene, they could do something about it because it fundamentally, if I take the BRCA gene as an example, it greatly increases the risk of recurrence, the risk of another breast cancer, or the risk of ovarian cancer, which is much, much harder to detect. And people could do something about it, which actually saves lives. So we had a number of people that were not aware that this was important, that were able to get tested. So that's one example. Another example is it's also around, because the science is evolving so that you know, more and more things about your genes, about tests are becoming available that allows people to either have access to the new treatments 
or to determine the risk of developing another cancer or recurrence. So, so that's where we've seen a lot of opportunities there. I mean, I know it's old news, but remember however many years ago when 23andMe went through their whole deal and it was around the time that Angelina Jolie found out that she was positive for like BRCA1 and BRCA2 or whatever and then made some like significant life choices, right? With that information. I'm guessing that where we are now, that when people do their genetic testing, you know, they're empowered to do something similar and that there's less question about like the efficacy of the information that they're given, right? Before there was questions around it being FDA approved or, you know, any other sort of stuff. So, I mean, where we've come in what we know about this information, I don't know. Again, you're going to know more than I do. <laughs> Is there? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And But also, so you mentioned 23andMe and here's something that actually, you know, a lot of people don't know. So if you do the 23andMe test, for those genes, it's not a definitive test unless a person has an Ashkenazi Jew background because that's kind of this, the, the variant that they're testing for. But if not, that test is meaningless. You need a different kind of test, which is still available from companies like Invite or Color, which are called clinical grade tests. But even that, a lot of people are not aware of that. And what happens is, you're right. I mean, actually, it's we remember all that time with Angelina Jolie, et cetera. But then there's new generation that come. And then they don't know this history either. I don't like to think that I'm that old. I don't feel that old. But then sometimes I hear about people. So I was like, oh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's part of yeah, that. Yeah, but there's also, you know, there's other things. So another thing that a lot of people don't realize in cancer is most of the time clinical trial is the best treatment option. So we have this stereotype about what a clinical trial is and is not. But in cancer, it's a very different type of endeavor in terms of how clinical trials are done, how they're compared, et cetera. So one of the things that also we help quite a few people is not only raise awareness about clinical trials, but help them find the clinical trials that they're matched to. Mm. That for them, it created an alternative options. And it also, you know, it's very important, you know, to go back to this notion of meeting people where they are. When it comes to cancer, People have different preferences, right? Especially because a lot of the treatments are toxic, whether it's chemotherapy, et cetera. So, you know, there's sometimes a trade-off to be made on quality of life versus, you know, the treatment you're taking. Absolutely. And for people to understand that, to understand what the choices are, is very important. And what we've seen is depending on where people are and how they, you know, who they're seeing as a physician, sometimes there's not a, like, that conversation is not happening. That they're basically pointed in a direction without given a choice or any other options that, you know, this might not be the best fit for you, right? Or giving them... Yeah, because the default in a lot of times, not all the time, but the default in a lot of time is to use the treatments that are, you know, the most efficacious, right? Mm -hmm. But some people, you know, like they prefer less treatment, better quality of life. And that's a very, that's a personal choice. Yeah, very much so. So for somebody who doesn't, you know, have an active diagnosis of breast cancer, is there any advice you would give to people to sort of stay ahead of the game or or like help with early detection or something along the lines of like, okay, well, if this is going to be a problem in my life, how can I, how can I address it as soon as possible? So it's the least... So first of all, actually, cancer is very common these days. So for breast cancer, the the probability of a woman to develop uh, breast cancer in her lifetime is one in eight. 
which is actually pretty high. Now, the good thing is, if first of all, if catch caught early, it's very, very manageable. So, you know, having screening, mammograms, the, the guidelines in the U.S. is starting at the age of 40. So having the annual mammograms, that's very, very important and not skipping them. But the other thing is if uh, the person has family history of cancer and they are, and actually on the app we do that, there's a number of questions where people can answer them to see if they meet criteria for genetic testing, inherited cancer testing. And if they do, they should really get tested. There's a lot of options now for people to do, and they don't need to be as drastic as, you know, a preventive prophylactic double mastectomy, which is what Angelina really did. But, you know, it could be increased screening, MRI screening. You know, there, there's other ways to deal with this, but you can really do something about it. So that's what I would recommend. That's great advice. Now, one thing that shows up for me from my mom vocal and she talks to me about her healthcare journey or whatever. And one of the things she's always complained about is the mammogram machine. She's just like, I just think it's wild that it hasn't been, you know, redesigned in all of this time, right? Like we haven't found a better, is that one of the new technologies to make that test at least more comfortable for people? That's a great question. I have not, I think there's some research, but I, I'm not aware of anything that earth shattering that changes that technology. But you know, this is a, actually, it's interesting what you say, because it's it's the case across healthcare, right? Like at the end, if, you know, if something is working and there's ro- no real need to to change it, it won't change. And the need, like the people that are vocal are patients. So that's another thing that we're trying to do, right? It's this notion of empowering patients. It's not only about helping them self-advocate. It's really about shifting the power in the healthcare system back to the patient. Today, the patient has zero power, right? Like we don't get to decide. We don't get to ultimately, when we do pay, ultimately pay, but not, you know, the big bill. And in that sense, we don't have a big say on what gets developed, what, you know, gets prioritized, and that needs to change. Yeah, I just, I feel like that is a reflection of our priorities in healthcare, that it's the kind of thing that probably, I'm sure, is very uncomfortable for people, and there's probably a better way that things that can be done, especially even to your point around talking about the difference between chemotherapy and a targeted, you know, you know, like, People have thought about it and it's like, it would be nice that if you didn't have to have like such an uncomfortable test in order to find that out. It's sort of prohibitive in that way, just that it's just, you know, uncomfortable. And one of the things that's in our mission is we we want to improve outcomes and accelerate. And you only accelerate research by, first of all, understanding what people need and then talking about it, showing the data, showing that people, you know, like more people would choose an option that delays chemotherapy than something else. These are all data that today we are not collecting in a systematic way in order to actually really change the way things are being done. Well, I'm so glad to hear that this is your line of work. It is very needed and des- definitely for people to have an, you know, an avenue to be able to voice their opinions and, you know, become empowered. So thank you for everything that you're doing. And if people wanted to work with you, find you or get in touch, what would be the way that you would direct? Yeah, them? no, absolutely. So first of all, and thank you for asking that question, because one of the reasons I'm also super excited to be on your podcast is 
just to mention what you guys are, you know, like looking to do, and also in particular the role of women in this space. And uh, we're actively recruiting. We're recruiting all kinds of different roles, and I'm actively, really, really trying to also recruit more women. So people should send us emails, jobs at outcomesforme.com or go to our website, outcomesforme.com. There's a lot of opportunity to really make a difference, which is really what we're after. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like you are making a difference. And even, you know, the, the name of your company even reflects that too. So again, thank you for taking the time to share with me more about you and your organization. And I'm very grateful to have cross have our paths cross so thank you so much thank you thanks for listening you can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod thanks again see you soon hit like a girl podcast is a proud member of the health podcast network one thing i love about working with them is that they're mission driven which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.